Hey, David. Hey, Graham. What do you call a factory that makes products that are just okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's already funny. (laughs) Um, What? A satisfactory. Huh. Huh. Yes? I I accept that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! You know what? That's a... Just okay joke, though. I mean, oh. I feel like I was set up for that. Actually, that's a better than just okay joke. That's a pretty. That's a pretty solid joke. Is it a premium joke? It's what's between satisfactory and premium? Uh, I don't know. Me neither. How about five? I'll take it. All right. Well, I've got I'm one tied fo- for the lead. <laughs> <laughs> with with who? Uh, with the, with the uh, listener last time that sent in a joke. Oh, that's right. You and the listener are tied. Well, I guess I've got to try to overcome you and the listener good luck here is yeah since you do have control over over the rating that you give okay here's my joke for this week okay graham why do bees have sticky hair do bees have hair i uh uh, why i don't know well because they use a honeycomb he's staring blankly into space right now i was waiting for that sound effect to go oh, away. oh okay okay because i know it was a bad one it'd be really funny if if logan doesn't put a sound effect there <laughs> <laughs> and then although maybe it wouldn't be funny because then the kids are just going to think that their podcast player stopped I'm, working i'm gonna give that one a 4.9 that's just petty <laughs> <laughs> well enough of the nonsense let's get on with the nonsense Hello and welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and grown-worthy jokes, like the ones you just heard. And of course, it features your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's your weekly adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern. And I'm Graham Pittman. And today we are joined by Glenn McCarty, who is the author of The Misadventured Summer of Tumbleweed Thompson. Great book. Really fun book. And of course, we are going to be diving back into Eve Nesbitt's The Railway Children, uh, I believe chapters five and six today. That is correct. We're going to discuss chapters five and six. Of course, at the end of the show, we're also going to do our weekly riddle. We're going to tell you the answer to last week's riddle. But before we get to that... Yeah. We want to talk about something that that we want to do that's new, a new segment, sort of. Next week, we're going to officially start it, but tell the people what we're going to do, Graham. Uh, Well, we want to add a segment to the show that features some of you. So we we want to do a mailbag segment. We want to read some of your emails, feature some of your questions, uh, maybe ideas, ideas if you've sent in, if you want to send in jokes. And we kind of got this idea because uh, obviously we put out that email a lot podcasts at goldberrybooks.com yeah um well, let's just one more time podcasts at goldberrybooks we wouldn't want someone to forget that's right so podcasts at goldberrybooks.com i forgot the rest okay you got yeah. it um we it's haven't received a pigeon yet but well they take longer oh true so we're gonna get a question from episode one <laughs> yeah at the start of season three <laughs> yeah <laughs> tied to a tied to a pigeon that's just like a weary pigeon <laughs> but we got this idea because um we've been getting emails from you guys yeah. uh, answering the riddles and things but sometimes you just send us comments about how much you know you like the show or, or or you're making jokes with us and then somebody uh way back in episode one i had mentioned i have a shed just like sd smith does that's right but mine is sad and gray 
Unlike his, which was called The Forge and was like awesome. Yeah, awesome. So somebody sent me in a suggestion for the shed name. So a listener emailed you an idea for what to name your shed. Yes. Is it a is it a good one? It's perfect. I'm going to put it on a piece of wood and put it on my shed. I will take a photo of it and put it on the Goldberry underscore studios <laughs> Instagram. Uh, they said I should name my shed Eeyore because it is sad and gray. So that's what we want to do. So if you That's want, a great name. Yeah, it's perfect. Eeyore. And I don't have my email. Up. Can you pin a tail on it? I could if I was that ambitious. <laughs> I don't feel like Eeyore. Eeyore's always losing his tail, so no. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I, a I should point. make a tail and put it somewhere else. <laughs> it's a shed that has lost its tail. So, yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> or just punch a hole in it where a tail would have been. That's true. But I don't that... want a, a hole in my shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that defeats the purpose of having a shed then. Yes, yeah, so this is what we'd like to do. If you want to email us, and if you have comments, if you have questions about... Uh, uh, I don't know what <laughs> the periodic table, ele- the periodic table questions, of the elements. Questions about the, this book. Uh, questions about um, yes, uh, basketball. Chemistry. Um, questions about our favorite colors. If you want to send in a joke, you send in a joke. Go ahead and do that, and we'll try to feature some. Uh, yeah, we'll feature on one show. or two each week in this segment in the official Withy Windle mailbag segment. I think that sounds great. Let's do it now, David. I have been doing some thinking. Oh dear, that's always a terrifying phrase to hear. And do you know how if uh, you listen to podcasts, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Or or you've seen television? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's these there's these kind of commercials, um, and, and especially on podcasts where a company will sponsor the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the, and the host will do kind of an ad read for that, for that company yeah, or yeah. business. I, or know, I know about this concept. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just making sure. So we don't yet have a sponsor for with I don't, That's I don't true. know if you know that. I, I, I suppose I did know that. Okay. But we're not against having a sponsor for with Yeah. We're pro pro the concept. Yes. In fact, we, you might say we'd invite having a sponsor <laughs> for with So I was thinking if there's, so if you're a nine year old that owns a business, yes. <laughs> podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. I was thinking if anybody out there is listening, they might want to see, you know, and, and is thinking of sponsoring our podcast, they might like to see an example of how an ad might sound on the podcast. Are you going to do an, a potential ad read? A I'm going to do a fake ad read. Yes. This ought to be good. So Logan, I would like you to put on just some kind of dramatic music right. behind this. This is a know. very serious moment we're about to have. Are you tired of your bland, colorless snacks? Yes. have you ever wanted to eat a bright red rope that's seemingly made out of plastic but you've never known how to find one well look no further twizzlers has you covered is it cherry flavored is it strawberry flavored is it some kind of vague sugary fruit flavor? Actually, I think it is cherry flavor, but we'll just I think that. there's both strawberry and cherry. Well, you no, can also no. get like other oh, Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Who knows? <laughs> it's red flavor. Mm. And it's fun to shake around before you eat it. Twizzlers, proud sponsor of the Withy Windle podcast. Are we going to hear from Twizzlers now because you've I certainly given hope that so. description. <laughs> All right, I got another one. Oh boy. 
Okay. This episode of the Withy Window Podcast is brought to you by Frank's Pigeon Farm. <laughs> Located right here off of Highway 73. Look for the broken down truck. They've got all types of pigeons. Homing, carrier, king, racing, dappled, normal. <laughs> Frank stands by his pigeons with a 100% money back guarantee. I would hope so. He says... If you don't find our pigeons delicious, I mean satisfactory, <laughs> you'll get a full refund. So what are you waiting for? You call a a pigeon to come and tell you how great these pigeons are? Get out to Frank's. When you think pigeons, think Frank's. You know, it seems unlikely that Frank's Pigeon Farm ever has considered the idea that a podcast geared towards 9, 10, and 11, and 12-year-olds would be the ideal place to promote their wares. It seems unlikely, but one never knows what one finds. All right, I got one more for you. Oh, oh boy. All right. Okay. So, so far we've insulted Twizzlers and Frank's Pigeon Farm. Insulted? Oh, I mean, talked about. Go ahead. This episode of the Withy Window Podcast is brought to you by books. That, does, does, does books do sponsorships? I don't know. Just all books. All books. I'm assuming there's a company that just is it's involved in books. all books. <laughs> books, Inc. <laughs> no, not Books, Inc. Just oh, sorry. Books. Yeah. Books Co.? No. Oh. Books. LLC. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Graham, it is time for that very important segment each week in which we discuss two chapters of Inez but the Railway Children. And this week we need to discuss chapters five and six. Fifth and sixth. Fifth and sixth chapters of the Railway Children, yes. You know, it's funny that we're saying fifth and sixth because in this case it actually works to just say fifth and sixth. It does, but that, it's that's not, not as fun. Yes, yeah, that's true. It's not as fun. I had a thought. Yes. So um, in that little transition uh, between the segment we just did yeah, yeah. and this one, yeah. what if we have kids draw a picture of what they think our machine that keeps malfunctioning might look like. For when we do the word of the week in during the author section? I don't know. Huh. So you, okay. So, so like this like, week, but that's the machine you mean, right? The one from the author when we do our word of the week segment? Yeah, that's the one. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So we, we, we were just talking about how maybe they can email us and we'll do a mail time, that type of thing. It could be fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe if, if we see their, uh, ideas hmm. of what this machine might look like just come up with this idea in between segments in between segments hmm. in 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 one second genius I, I say genius okay let's do it why not what, what kind of hurt and then maybe if they'll give us permission we could post them on our instagram page or there you go you know. okay so do this we're about to have the author segment and during that segment at the end of it we're gonna have our word of the week and while you're listening draw what you think that machine looks like sketch it paint it watercolor graphic design it whatever and then send it to us and we'll share some of our favorites on the on the uh, social media channels on for for goldberry studios i think that's a great idea me too well let's go ahead and talk about this book then um we did replenish the snacks during during the um segment break too so we're we're definitely ready to dive into this full full energy right yeah they look really good we got some we figured we should you know, out of respect for the moms who are listening, we have some cherries and some blueberries. Well, cherry and blueberry flavored Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> no, we actually have blueberries we, and yeah, cherries. Yeah, we actually got some fruit. And also a, a podcast-centric snack called Teddy Grahams. Yep. Teddy, get it? 
Yeah, I heard that a lot growing up. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you can you still, luckily, you can still hear it as an adult. But that's okay, because Teddy Grahams are, are really delicious, are. but my favorite was Golden Grahams. The cereal? Yeah, the cereal. To make, you know, just making sure that we were all clear on what that was. Maybe some kids haven't had Golden Grahams yet. That's true. I assume they still make them. No, I believe they do. I believe they do and still make them. they're probably still delicious. Speaking of things that are delicious... Inez meets the railway children. <laughs> so in chapters five and six, we have two really interesting scenarios that play out. Two interesting little mini adventures. In chapter five, the kids are at the railway station and a crowd gathers. And um, basically, it turns out that there is a, a Russian man who they're not. No one's sure where he's from. Mm-hmm. We find out later he's from Russia and he has been in Siberia in a Russian prison because he wrote a book that the Russian authorities did not appreciate. Yeah, they didn't take kindly to it. They did not. And so he uh, eventually escaped, and now he's in England looking for his wife and children. Yeah, this is quite the turn of events, right? I know, it's uh, strange. I would say the word action or adventure finally comes, like, in these two chapters. Yeah. It's like, boom. What is happening? Yeah, this is... Things are flying. It's a different book now. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, in chapter six, we do get the train flying down the tracks only in front of the train there is a what uh there is a what is it called I think landslide call, yeah i think they just Rock call slide? it a mound a mound yeah a mound appears a mound appears of natural origin origin but you ha- but but still do you think it's a coincidence that the children were climbing up the hill and and there just happened to be a rock slide. Are you or, suggesting they caused the means I by mean, which they were able to be heroic? I don't want to, you know, besmirch. <laughs> Logan, put that little sound effect here. That's a good word. I don't want to besmirch, you know, the children. Mm. Um, but, you know, maybe they caused this. You know, it says they were just kind of innocent bystanders up there looking. But So this is just your theory? Well, I've climbed many a rocky <laughs> hill. And you know what happens when you start doing that. You know, small pebbles. Are you confessing that you once caused a train crash? Start start colliding with slightly bigger pebbles, which start colliding with rocks, which eventually, you know, make a mound that a train could crash into. It's true. It's true. I'm going to say that it doesn't seem like the book necessarily has a lot of evidence for that. But the theory is no evidence. Nonetheless, no evidence. (laughs) Circumstantial evidence. They were there. They were there. Uh, so, of course, the, there's a mound and the train's flying down the tracks. And they realize if the train hits the mound, great tragedy will happen. Yep. People could die. The train might run off the tracks. So they set to work concocting a plan to save the people. And what do they do? They have a really good plan. It's true. It took them a minute to get to it. But that's what happens when you work together. Uh, they created um, flags out of uh, cut up or torn up petticoats mm-hmm. and sticks. Sticks? Branches. Uh, yeah, they make a flag, Branches. basically, so they can wave the train down. And it works. And poor Bobby, what happens to her? She is waving so hard and is so invested in making this train stop. Her emotions are just exploding <laughs> that it shuts her down. Like your house. There's an oxygen. Like your house yeah, exploding. There you go. <laughs> and she passes out. Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think physically she gets wears herself out too. She faints. She waves so fast. Yeah, she faints. Hey, have you ever fainted? Uh, no, but close. Have I've you ever close. been around somebody I've, who fainted? Um, I don't know. 
Maybe. What about you? Give me a good story. I don't have a good story on this. <laughs> well, we're talking about a good story already. Do you, do you have one of your brothers faint? No, but my wife did once. Oh, we were, she Wait, was, I know this story. She was pregnant and we were stand, we were in church and we were standing. You know how in church sometimes you guys and stand? And her emotions <laughs> yeah, were so... Exactly. She was waving the flag down so much. <laughs> it exp- her emotions exploded exactly. and it shut her down. She was pregnant and that made her extra... I think she had not had enough to drink or eat or something well, like that. Well, we live we in the standing. South. That's true. It was hot. And church air conditioners, we know. Yeah. Iffy. Yeah, iffy. iffy. at best. So she fainted in church and I, she was like falling back and I kind of like caught her and she... How many years ago is this? Well, Coulter is almost 10, so somewhere between 9 and 10 years. 9 and 10 years. I hope she wakes up soon. That's been a long time. I know. It's weird that Coulter was still born. (laughs) 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 But subsequently, we had three more children. I remember she was, you know, very, very nice and bubbly and kind. So we do miss She was a sweet person. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So anyway, um, we're here to discuss these chapters, not my wife's fainting spells. So the I want to talk a little bit about this Russian guy because he yeah. just kind of appears and then some strange things happen with their mother. Mm. And I think it's worth talking about that because, you know, lots of, there are lots of stories where, you know, strangers appear and they're a little mysterious and then kid, the kids kind of like have to figure out what's going on with them. But why do you think the mother gets so upset? You know, there are times it's, it says that at the end of the chapter, after she has helped, you know, this, this strange Russian man sort of get better and get, get comfortable that she's kind of teary eyed and they can tell that she's been crying. And she says that at the end of the chapter that we need to, you know, the characters need to say a prayer for, for all prisoners and their, and their families. Why do you think she suddenly gets so upset? Do you think, do you think the author's giving us a clue to something? Like foreshadowing, like you talked about in the first yeah. step, through the episode too. Maybe something. That's oh, maybe. Happening. Maybe, and of course, you know what comes to mind is there's also the part where Bobby, is it Bobby or Phyllis? They they see in the room and they realize that that she is giving their mother is giving their father's clothes, clothes. yeah to the to the man. So maybe it has something to do with something we're going to find out later with the father. It could be, yeah, it could be something as simple as that those type of emotions of missing their father come into play, or maybe there's some similarity or connection between, uh, this Russian author and, and their father. Mm. Well, one of the things I like about it is how this is a book that can have both the adventure and the humor and the silly things that they do and they say to each other and so forth. But there's also kind of like the emotional core to the story Mm -hmm. there's what people you might call pathos which is like it makes you feel something and that's an oversimplified way of putting it but it pulls on your emotions or makes you think of something in your own life i think we can all kind of like identify with you know someone we love being gone and not being around and you know even if it's just your dad goes away on a trip or your mom goes away on a trip or um your brother gets sent to siberia yeah right well sometimes that's not the worst thing (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my brothers getting sent to Siberia would be very sad, but you know, somebody might want their brothers to get sent to Siberia. Maybe somebody who's listening, but then we get chapter six In chapter six, it begins by saying the Russian gentleman was better the next day and the day after that better still. And on the third day he was well enough to come into the garden. And then the kids try to do all kinds of nice things for him. And that's what sets them on their, yeah. their adventure with the train. Cause they're looking for cherries. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, Not cherry Jolly ranchers. 
Well, they didn't know about those yet. If they would have known about those, they would have been looking to give him those. Speaking of which, I'm going to eat a cherry. So you talk for a second. Okay. So I really like that section that you're referencing there where the children are trying to decide what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first they were like, let's just smile at him a lot, (laughs) (laughs) which is really funny. And then it says, uh, but if you smile too constantly, the smile is apt to get fixed like the smile of a hyena. And then it no longer looks friendly, (laughs) but simply silly. And I would add to that. Or very creepy. That's right. Um, so here's what we need you to do. We need you to take a picture of yourself making the most hyena smile possible. <laughs> <laughs> Attach it to the pigeon. Yeah. Throw it Send up the it window. to us. That's right. Yeah. And in two years, it'll arrive. Very tired pigeon. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Because you, when, when you're reading, you're, you're forming kind of these mental pictures. So I just yeah. pictured all three of them standing in a line with a smile that has been affixed to their face. And you know, like the lights of... When you smile, your eyes light up. Yeah. But then if you hold that smile for too long, they kind of just look blank and then your smile and then your smile stays and this Russian guy's just staring at them and they're smiling at him. It's great. It's uh, everybody picture that. And and like a a hyena is a wonderful animal to to make you think of because they're so strange looking. Like even if you've seen the Lion King, the hyenas are just these (laughs) off the wall characters. So, so to say that a hyena is the animal, it doesn't say like a cat, a hyena is very specific. So I really like this page, and then I really like the next page. I think these are my two favorite pages, because then they go to see Perks the Porter. <laughs> and he's upset at them for not coming sooner to yeah, tell them what tell was them up. all about the Russian guy. So he's with his newspaper, In giving them, space. yeah, giving them, like, very snippy answers. He'd be like the cold shoulder. And he's like, well, I suppose if you guys have secrets, then just keep your secrets. And he puts the paper back I in don't front care. of his face. <laughs> and then it says, the secret chamber of each heart was examined during the pause that followed. <laughs> so they're trying to figure out, do we actually have a secret? They can't figure out why he's mad. But I like picturing this. What uh, did we keep secret from him? They didn't even know. I like this older man. Just like, <laughs> he's just mad at these little kids and won't, won't tell them why. He's like a little kid himself. Have you? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Have you ever had a secret that people were keeping and that you knew that your friends knew about it and they wouldn't tell you and you were bummed about oh, that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can you remember any of them? Uh, no. Do, oh, you don't remember the time when the Russian guy came to your house? No. And, yeah, yeah. No. Well, so then we get the, the main action of this story. And I was thinking about at the end of this section, you know, Bobby does this very heroic thing. It says the praises they got for their prompt action, their common sense, their ingenuity were enough to have turned anybody's head. Phyllis enjoyed herself thoroughly. She'd never been a real heroine before, and the feeling was delicious. Peter's ears got very red, yet he too enjoyed himself. Mm-hmm. Only Bobby wished they all wouldn't. She wanted to get away. So I was wondering, why do you think Bobby wasn't enjoying that praise, those commendations? Well, good word. It, could be, um, it could be that she is embarrassed. She's the one that... Because she fainted? Went, yeah, went kind of kind of faint there it could be her personality is a little bit different where she doesn't like the praise um being lavished on her uh what do you think yeah i was thinking about how sometimes when we do heroic things or brave things or things that are hard it can sometimes come along with things that lead to us being embarrassed like i think you're right that she felt a little bit like sad that she fainted and uncomfortable with all the praise and, you know, there's something very well, I know, real like, about that. When people, some people do heroic things, they don't like being called heroes. Yeah. 
because it's just the thing that needed to be done and they did it. You know, it wasn't like yeah. they pulled some superhuman bravery. They just went and saw the need and, yeah. and did it. I don't know if they that's didn't stop and say, but... Hey Bobby, want to be a hero? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then at the end, what is the thing that she's most, that she says, do you remember? She's a, she's kind of sad that they forgot something. At the end. Oh, the cherries. Yeah. We never got any cherries after all said Bobby. The others thought her rather heartless. <laughs> yeah, she feels like maybe she, they failed the mission when really they probably saved a bunch of lives or saved the lives of the, you know, of what they caused by knocking all the rocks down. Right, right, right. Or maybe well, she's sad because she knew. She knew that they caused the... <laughs> they caused, our she, listeners are going to be very confused. They caused the rock slide. They probably didn't cause a rock slide. I'm just being silly. I would silly. wager to say that I don't think they caused the rock slide. No, no. They didn't. They were in the right place at the right time with an author there ready to record it all. <laughs> that's, right. That's, that's right. Well, speaking of authors recording everything, as you're thinking about these next couple chapters, what are some of the things that you are going to be looking for? Like, we're starting to get some adventures. Yeah. Is there anything you're excited about? Okay, so still, know? right now, yeah. and I wrote this, like, as soon as the, the Russian man shows up, I wrote down... Ba, ba, ba. I wrote down stranger enters their world adventure comes to them. Um, and it seems like that's, um, they haven't gone off on any adventures yet. And I'm still questioning if that's going to be the case or if this book is all going to be kind of contained. So I'm, I'm interested and, and one's not right and one's not wrong, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm interested yeah. if they go off on the train. Well, the interesting thing about that is they kind of had to like leave home to come here, but now they've like, if they, we don't know why they had to leave yet. And right. so that's the thing that that's I still want to know. One, of course. Why did they have to come to this place? Like, why did they have to leave their home in the first place? And where is their dad? And a good author is not going to just introduce a mysterious character and, and let him walk away. And that mm. was it. Um, that's true. So there's probably some. Yeah. Uh, like, that's going to be a, a point to the, yeah. the plot of the story, I think. Yeah. How is that going to pay off? That's and if it's not, talk about with, with um, books. please forget my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how you're going to forget that Graham's theory is they caused the, 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 the mound. Well, this has been our conversation on the Railway Children. This is a really fun book. We hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, we are about to turn it over to our conversation with uh, Glenn McCarty. And I say our because this time your, your house did not blow up and you were able to join me for the conversation. It's the opposite of an explosion. It, an implosion? Is that the opposite? I mean, it's still like... It's true. A, uploaded i don't know <laughs> it stayed where it was <laughs> your house just stayed still my house got extra fortified that's somehow. right you did extra well that's why you couldn't come because you were extra fortifying it yeah. last time and somehow it doubled in size right. magically right. instead of parts of it falling i need off. to come over so yeah we got a chance to talk to glenn mccarty and uh, he is the author of The Misadventured Summer of Tumbleweed Thompson, which is, quote, a wild and woolly middle grade novel set on the American frontier and inspired by his love of novels like Tom Sawyer and Homer Price, and also Junction Tales, which is a collection of stories set in the world of Tumbleweed Thompson. He's also proudly contributes to Story Warren, a website which partners with parents to nurture holy imagination in children through stories. So we had a great time talking to, to Glenn. He's a cool guy, and we think you're going to like this conversation. So with that, here's Glenn McCarty. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here with a man who goes by, well, I don't know. Do you have any nicknames? I do not. I've managed to avoid all nicknames to this point in my life. A man who goes by n no nicknames. 
but whose real name is, what's your real name for the people? My real name is just Glenn McCarty. Glenn. Two N's or one? Tell the kids. Two, two, two N's. Two N's. You got double the N quotient. That's right. I'm proud of that. Yeah, you should be. Uh, Glenn is the author of the, miss if I can get this right, The Misadventured Summer of Tumbleweed Thompson. Is that correct? Excellent. You did great. I have so much trouble with that. I don't know why. It's the extra, it's the extra word, misadventured, which is a great word. It's a wonderful word, but somehow I it's still... It's a perfect word. It, it's a good word. Every time I talk to my kids, we talk about... I just call it Tumbleweed Thompson because I forget what the name is. But then when I'm having the guy on a podcast, got to do it right. Got to do justice <laughs> by it. Well, it is... We are so excited to talk to you. And we've got lots of great questions from our, from our, young, from our listeners who are the readers of your books. One of them is from one of my kids. So, awesome. you know... Be prepared for that. Jeremiah was really geared up to ask a, a very uh, fun question. But before we do that, we need to tell you about our uh, our weekly competition. Graham, take it away. What is Glenn going to do for us this week? It, is it a competition? I don't know. I feel like it's a competition. Let's no, make it a competition for Glenn. For Glenn. For Glenn. Just right. For Glenn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So Glenn, we asked you to bring two things. Uh, it is a piece of paper and something to draw with. Did you Which grab I a have. pen or a pencil or a charcoal or... Oh, a pen, a clicky nice pen. pen, clicky pen. All right, pen. so um, we ask some kids every week uh, to put suggestions in for what our authors should draw while we're talking to them. Now, this can be a, a, a simple doodle. This can be stick figures. This can be impressionist art. Uh, this can be a masterpiece. But today, Glenn, you are going to be drawing while while trying to answer. It's going to be very difficult. In depth, you know, hard. Maybe impossible questions you're going to draw a tree having a very bad day okay i'm now really you glad can... you said impressionist because that's that's where i was going right away okay. yeah anyway, i figured so. yeah i figured yeah abstract is my specialty yeah all right so a tree having a very very bad day yeah I, Do my, we... my mind is going a lot of different directions but i don't want to influence the right artist. i know don't yeah so. let him he's got a blank canvas i mean or i probably assume he's not using a pen on a canvas but you never know so do you, do you need us to give you, you know, 30 seconds to think about that before we ask you the first question? Um, so I, I'm drawing and answering questions simultaneously. Correct. It's okay. going to be very difficult. That's, oh, I do that all the time. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> or you can draw during the pause. Yeah, you could, you know, while all we're right. asking the question, you could draw. People do all kinds of different things we found. Okay. But they, the, one, the one consistent thing is the complaining. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, a lot of complaining. <laughs> it's true. See, Which is I great would for never, kids <laughs> I would never complain about something like this. Okay, okay. no, I, I'm good. I'm ready. I go, okay. go for it. So I, I'm just going to start with the question that Jeremiah had. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Okay, Let's so my son Jeremiah, he has a question for you. And he wants to know, what inspired you to make your book so great? I love that question. <laughs> I felt that like is, it was a good one to start that's with. That's the best question. There yeah. really shouldn't be any other questions. We can just, <laughs> well, we'll we give just, you 20 minutes to just go. Yeah, to just go for <laughs> it. I think the answer to that question is there were a lot of awesome people who were involved in a lot of different steps in the process of creating Tumbleweed. Um, and I just think... You know, there's that cliche that too many cooks like spoil the soup or whatever. And I, I mean, I don't know. I've never really made a lot of soup, but I do know that like <laughs> there were every time that one of these awesome people who knows just so much about stories just kind of touched it, something, something got better about it. And so, mm. you know, I, I was so grateful for many different steps in the process for just having some really people with just really great understanding of story, but also just such a love for what I was doing and mm. the way I was shaping this project. 
that, that it just became this record of all these different people's collaborative input. And, um, and then, and you add Joe Sutphin's illustration kind of on top of that. And that, mm. um, that just, you know, brought so many other things to life. Um, mm. yeah, I think the secret to the awesome was the, um, the, the, the ability, that's the, that's the first thing that comes to mind anyways, the, just the collaboration and the ability to have some really great people involved with, you know, feedback and encouragement and, you know, oh, I think, I think that could be, I think that could be stronger, you know, and, yeah. but encouragement as well, you know, just like you, you got this, you can do this, you know, that kind of stuff. When did you start writing it? How long did, like, how long did it take? Um, it had a weird evolution. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story Warren, uh, website, yeah. but, um, it, it began four or five years ago as a series of short stories, um, mm. on the story Warren website. Um, and then at some point in the process, um, it felt like it wasn't just a series of short stories. It was more, um, they were becoming more of like one big continuous story, um, mm. involving, um, and Eugene and Tubbleweed and like, you know, the, um, their, their kind of big overall quest to, to figure out what's going on with these strange shady characters in town. Um, and then once that decision was made, it, um, you know, it went, it went pretty quickly, um, in terms of like figuring out where the story should go and then, um, and then kind of getting it to a point where it was ready to go. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, you know, I don't know the idea for the character of Tumbleweed and then the idea for the character of Eugene, um, they came from just a, a childhood of like Tom Sawyer and the Hardy boys and the great brain and Homer price. And mm -hmm. just all those people that I had like, well, they're not really people, but you know, mm -hmm. that I had grown yeah. up yeah, yeah. with, um, they were all in there. And then this character of Tumbleweed was just like, poof, you know, and like, mm -hmm. he was just the kind of kid that I was like, I would have loved to have known someone like you when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, you would yeah. have made things a lot more fun if you had been around. Uh, so yeah. What inspired the different adventures and stuff like that? Were they, um, is this autobiographical book? You know, it's really not um, <laughs> in the sense that, um, first of all, I, I, I wish I had grown up in a place like Rattlesnake Junction. I think um, that would have been spectacular for all the things that you can do if you're able to do the rambling and, the uh, you know, kind of poking around that they do. Yeah, I think I think the way that it's autobiographical is that, like, at least for me and maybe for a lot of of the readers, like there's a part of tumbleweed and a part of Eugene that are like equally inside of you. And sometimes you're like Eugene and sometimes you're like tumbleweed, you know, where you're yeah, sort of yeah. throwing caution to the wind. But I, I didn't do a lot of rambling um, in terms of my childhood. My, my parents were very attentive, shall I say, <laughs> <laughs> and keeping tabs on where I was going and what I was doing. And I think probably uh, Ma Appleton, she probably is, that's where that comes out. That character was very easy to reference the way that Ma would respond to some of Eugene's uh, adventures would be, I don't think you should do that. You know, <laughs> as far as the place Rattlesnake Junction, have, have you spent much time in Colorado or is this a fictional rendition? Um, I'm just, I'm giving some attention to my tree. I just realized that I was neglecting my tree. Um, <laughs> I haven't spent a lot of time in Colorado, no, um, or really the West a ton. Um, so what is the process like to, to bring a place like that to life? 
when it's yeah. it's kind of um, coming out of your imagination, uh, other readings or imaginations. Yeah, or, you know. I think that's a good combination. I think for sure I'm referencing, you know, um, Where the Red Fern Grows was a, a great book that I read growing up, um, and um, and I think the the woods. I, I, I know the woods. Um, mm-hmm. We do a lot as a family. We do a lot of hiking where we live here in Western New York. There's just a lot of great places to go hike and where the elevation changes and you have good lookouts and good views. And, and so that, that part of it, I'm like, I, I can be all over that. Um, and, and I love that. I love that experience of just being in the woods and, and maybe it's all silent and, and yet you're still kind of feeling things and hearing things and, um, and it's, you know, in a weird way, it's kind of speaking. And, and so that part of it is, you know, I can, I can do that because I love it. I love that feeling of not really knowing what's out there and going and seeing what's out there, you know. And as hmm. the story was kind of having its genesis, as you were thinking of it, was the, was it the place first that kind of grabbed you, the setting that you came up with? Or was it the characters that you kind of drew out in your mind first? I think I started with the characters of Tumbleweed and Eugene and then pretty soon though, it was like, okay, so where would be a good playground almost for these guys to have some of these adventures. And there's something about the frontier that maybe it's real or maybe it's just sort of a romanticized version of it, but it just seems like there's so many opportunities for, you know, the cool stuff that can ha- that happens in the book, you know, exploring in caves and, and being down by the riverbank and fishing and, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. It just, it seemed like a really good place to have them just experience all these adventures. Yeah. So the setting kind of fit the characters perfectly. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So Joel, one of the, one of the young, he's young readers. Oh no, 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 Brendan, Joel's parent. Sorry. Brendan, who's 10. He wants to know, how old you were when you wrote your first book? Uh, probably I would have to say that when I sort of tried to write my first book was probably when I was in about third grade. I was really big into like, I remember at the time uh, the idea of like a club was really cool, like being part of a club. And I remember I, I made up this gang of boys that were like, they had a clubhouse in the tree out back and they, I don't know if they solved mysteries or what they did. I don't remember, but maybe they created um, mysteries. Maybe, but it, I, yeah, I mean, I just was like, and then the thing, other thing I remember about making a book was like third or fourth grade. We had a project where we had to write a personal narrative or something about a trip we'd taken, but we literally like made the book. Like our teacher went as far as to like the cardboard and we had end paper and we got to design the end paper. And, and I just thought this was the coolest thing ever because I'm like, I'm making a book, you know, like, so at at that age, I was like, this is very cool. You get to be involved in that process with misadventure summers. Yeah, definitely. Um, we made every single book um, by hand and uh, mm. no. Um, Sounds very time consuming. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of glue, <laughs> a lot of glue. It might I'm explain a few things, so actually. Or do you still, st- yeah, exactly. Do you still stitch? You stitching? Uh, that's yeah. That's what the, the, my two boys are for. Yeah. They're oh yeah. Really good. Yeah. They're really good at saddle stitching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good skill to have. Well, speaking of the, the book process, you had mentioned like the illustrator being kind of the perfect fit. Was that something that you were heavily involved with or or does he just, does he read it? Does he look at the title? Do you give him input? How does that work? 
Yeah, I, I was fortunate that um, this was independently published through, um, we find, we used a Kickstarter to kind of get it rolling. And um, and that meant that I was probably a lot more hands-on than um, than I might normally get to be, um, which for me was, was awesome because, and I think honestly for Joe Sutphin, the illustrator as well, um, we had known each other for several years and I kind of had had him as like the dream choice, you know, because he's just a phenomenally talented illustrator. He's illustrated since Tumbleweed, he's done uh, versions of the wing feather saga that mm-hmm. are recently out. And he's, um, he's working on a couple of really good things now, but anyway, so I had just kind of said, well, that'd be awesome. But I mean, you know, I should probably have backup plan, you know, and it just the timing. And, and he was definitely, the more we talked about things that he had definitely kind of um, had uh, an affection for these kinds of stories as well. And so he said, you know, that this would be something that he would love to do. And yeah, we had a really awesome conversation about kind of what we envisioned for the cover. Um, and I obviously deferred quite a bit to his illustrative sensibilities, but, um, but being mm-hmm. able to kind of hash that out and sort of come up with a cover that, that we thought, totally fit just kind of like the tone of the book, you know? Um, and yet also was like something that would just jump out and grab you if you were, you know, saw it somewhere on online or in a phenomenal local bookstore, perhaps <laughs> if you were browsing the shelves. Um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a, a really a joy of this was, um, was the, the collaboration of the illustration. I mean, you know, the ideas that, that he would have. And then I honestly didn't have a whole lot of like, well, what if you, because they were yeah. just so fully great right off the bat. Which character did you have the most fun creating? Um, That's also from Brendan, by the way. It's a good question. I love Tumbleweed. He's fun because there's almost, it's like the, maybe the, the dream of like, Ooh, I, I, I could never get away with that when I was a kid, but I tumbleweed could get away with that, you know? And, uh, I have, I'm a sucker for like, this is a very minor character, but I'm a sucker for like the bad guys sidekicks. And so, <laughs> um, creating the two Alton Plunkett and Gerald Hackensack, who are like the two sidekicks for the main bad guy in the story were probably more fun than they should have been. But, um, but I don't know why there's just something about, you know, I don't want to use the word bumbling cause that's not fair, but they, they do end up getting taken advantage of a little bit by Eugene's uh, cleverness. Where'd you get the idea for all those names? Man, I don't know. I love names. Um, there's, I would say there's a little bit of research, but the good thing I found about the frontier as a setting, like the 1870s, both for names and for like language, the way that characters would talk is um, you could almost throw anything out there. And because it would feel weird, then people might just think, oh, that's kind of antiquated. It's kind of old sounding, you know, like, I mean, it, even in some of the, like the expressions or the language that people use, it's almost like you just make up something that sounds kind of, kind of kooky and you know, Hey, that's, that's just old timey language right there. And that was fun because I think a long time ago when I first started writing for young people, I was more writing for like young adult, a little bit older audience. And someone said, don't ever try to imitate, you know, slang, just try to make up your own slang because it'll be more timeless and it'll be more fresh and interesting. And I feel like that's the same kind of principle with this, with names and with the way the characters talk. It was just, 
you know, I mean, obviously there was a little bit of like the what in tarnation or I reckon or stuff like that. But, but still, I mean, like some of the, yeah, we've had enough time to figure out what's going to last. Yeah. And then I think just, just some of the expressions. And I think that one, that was the same kind of principle with the names. Like I have no idea if this was a popular name back then, but it's kind of weird and unique and let's go with it, you know? Yeah. It's your world, you know, go for it. Yeah. And certainly some of the names were, you know, there's a few names that are kind of Easter egg type things. Like I, um, I'm a huge fan of the writer Wendell Berry. Um, and so one of his most famous books is about a barber, uh, Jaber Crow. And, um, and so when I'm naming the barber, I'm like, well, I'm going to call him Wendell. You know, I just think like a little, little tribute to yeah, Mr. Yeah. Barry. Um, I like doing that kind of thing. Um, the sheriff's name is, uh, Mayberry. Um, it's just sort of like a little nod to, to Andy Griffith show, which I loved growing up. I don't know. That's, that stuff is fun too. Um, yeah. to as well. Pay your specs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you were, let's say Glenn gets transported back to the 19th century, what do you think your vocation would be? Oh, man, something really boring. Yeah, um, and out West. <laughs> Cobbler? Uh, <laughs> ooh, that'd be fun. Those would all be fun. We're actually fortunate to have not like 10 minutes down the road from where I live, this um, country museum, I think it's called, where they, they during the summer, um, and when there's not a pandemic, they they um, <laughs> demonstrate all kinds of really cool things like like, uh, yeah, barrel making and blacksmithing and stuff like that. I would love to be able to sit here and say I would be a, bl- a blacksmith. Um, but uh, but I, I don't I don't know that that would be an honest Shopkeep. answer. Shopkeeper. Yeah, I'd run a candy store. That's what yeah. I'd do. <laughs> I'd be one of those like people who sells like headache powder and lemon drops. What is that? Mm. An apothecary? I don't yeah. know. That's what I apothe- do. We'll go, let's go with apothecary. I feel like okay. apothecary is what we're, we should go with. Let's just, okay. let's just do that. That sounds sundry. impressive. Sundry. Sundry, yes, sundry dispenser. And sundry dispenser. <laughs> the dispensary. You know, you just could have said writer. You know, yeah, they had writers they, then they too. They did yeah. also have teachers. Writers I mean, if you're going to get a time have machine, teachers. you might as well mix it up. That's true. Yeah, That's true. exactly. I feel like if I'm going to live an alternate life 150 years ago, I'm going to do something different. This also something might be exotic. exotic. You wanted to do something different and interesting. You could have gone with like gunfighter or outlaw. Yes, or of sheriff. course, it's true. If you want to do something different and interesting, you can also just do it. So maybe there's a candy shop in the future we don't need a time machine to switch careers you know now a sundry blacksmithy might be tough to do today (laughs) yeah although this museum that i mentioned they are always looking for i know they're looking for like you know people to demo these things right Hmm. so like i could probably wander down there and say hey if you're looking for someone to demo blacksmithing i'm your guy right here And they would say, well, we've got an opening in the candy shop, so maybe we should start you out there and see where you go. Well, either of those those would be good fodder for stories, you know. Yes, totally. All right, you have to do this now. We will, you report back in a year after you've worked a year. Yeah, exactly. In a job we assign you. Hey, speaking of the job we assign you, how's that tree going? Oh, it's, oh boy. I see where the complaining comes in. I mean, holy cow. Do we have a branch? I've hit a, I've hit a wall. Um, did the tree hit a wall? That'd be a bad day. Right? <laughs> that yeah, would yeah. be the wall hit the tree. I, I, I don't the, know. Um, the tree would probably win though against the wall. You know, it would be a really bad day for a tree if it just disappeared. Uh, if, or if it, yeah. Or if, if someone put a big black line through it. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Like yeah. a big X? If it was chopped, if it was half, it was just a stump. 
It was a stump with a elephant sitting on it <laughs> or the largest apple you've ever seen. Oh, hey, okay. so speaking of food, we have a question that I think is going to have to be a tradition here on the show or some variation of it. It's very, it's very important. Asked by, asked by a young <laughs> Yeah, this was asked reader. by a young reader. His name was Devin and he asked us yes. for a previous episode. I feel like we're just going to carry it over. Which of these two things do you prefer? Cheetos or Doritos? Oh, that's not hard. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the Cheetos because of the um, orange powder. I, yeah, it's just, yeah. And then Takis are like their powder and then they're also like they stain your hand. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a real. No, nope, yeah, but that's, you're the second person to say exactly that. Yeah. Okay, but what color Dorito? Yeah. Are you, are you going with the spicy cheesy uh i like the cool Cool ranch Ranch yeah cool ranch blue yeah and then they they probably have like 50 flavors but i think that's if you said yeah that's what i'd go with well my middle the middle school me really wants like a mellow yellow and some cool ranch doritos right now Mm, it's good yep and sounds great actually we might have to make that the official snack although no (laughs) free ads just to be clear (laughs) (laughs) that's right you're gonna have to earn that Okay, Glenn, have you ever found yourself surprised by anything you've written? Yeah, like what's going on? Like, oh, the story went this direction. Yeah, not about the quality. (laughs) Well, that's fine too. (laughs) I'm always surprised by how awesome it is. Um, Yeah, I have very low self esteem. Yeah, I expect the worst and I'm never disappointed. <laughs> well, so like a couple of years ago, um, there's this thing called uh, NaNoWriMo. It's National Novel Writing Month. Yeah, yeah it, it's November, and and I would say f- a, a few years ago, I, I about middle of October or maybe something like that, I had like this just a, like a one sentence idea for a premise for a for like a novel, and it was close enough to NaNoWriMo that I thought. I'm just going to go for it. And I'm normally like a pretty much like well-planned in advance kind of, kind of writer. I like to sort of map a lot of things out, Um, but I didn't have the time. And so I just kind of went for it. Um, And that was a fun experience, like just getting to a spot where like, you know, you literally saw just nothing in front of you and you're like, okay, so what happens next? And you know, you make it up and you go on and it works out. And then you're like, wait, okay. I, I don't know where this is going to go again. And that was, that was a fun experience. I think I definitely learned that I can do more of that than I thought. And I think since then I've been more okay with like not having it all figured out mm. in advance, you know, like just being a little bit more like, let's just kind of improvise, you know? Well, so, so, so that's kind of a question we get sometimes like, you know, the young writers, especially like, do I plan the whole thing out? And you said you like to plan stuff out. So how does that work for you? Like Sam Smith, SD Smith, he told us stuff would come to him and he'd email himself ideas. And then Andrew Peterson, he told us he has a word document and he just like types a bunch of stuff out as the ideas come and then he plots it out. So when you say you plan, do you have a notebook that you sketch out your whole plot? So you know, the end when you start, when you, when you talk about planning, what is, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, I think I have a lot of voice memos for sure. Um, like that are just, yeah, on my phone. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of them are like are recorded around 7am because that's a lot of times when I'm driving to school in the morning to teach and like mm-hmm. a lot of them will start. So yeah, 
And then like this just <laughs> random with no context whatsoever. Like, so there's gotta be another reason for him to go after the, that elephant. And like, if I, you know, so I'll start listening to it and I'll get to that point and I'll be like, what is, Oh, okay. Right. And then usually, yeah, I'll, I mean, I definitely have documents where they're kind of like the, the story Bible, you know, like the authoritative yeah. document. Yeah. And it's, I've gotten, I've tried over the years to get more organized with that thing, but it's, um, it's just not really the way that my mind works, but I feel like as long as it's in that one document, you know, and I'll try to map out, like, you know, I like the three act structure, you know, like act one, two, and three beginning, middle end. And so I'll try to, to wrestle that into place before I start writing, you know, like what's, what's going to be the inciting incident and what's going to take us to the first major plot point And just kind of like those things. Um, but I mean, if you really want to get technical, I would say that that middle section, like act two, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. I I've learned to try to leave that open. And that's the, mm. that's the room where often the most surprising and cool stuff can happen. But it's also the place where if you're too like rigid with your structure that you can kind of not, you can kind of prevent some of that stuff from happening and you shouldn't mm-hmm. because, you know, if you've got your beginning and your end figured out and you know, your characters really well, you can kind of have some cool stuff happen in that middle section of the, of the, of the story for sure. So for you, you figure, you know, your character, you know, your place, you know, what's going to, the problem is that this or whatever this character wants or whatever problem they have to overcome and what causes it. And then, you know, the end and then you have fun in the middle. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I would say so. And that's um, because, you know, if you're going to be working on even a first draft for a long time, a month, you know, a couple months, maybe um, I feel like to think that you, you know, will know before even writing the first word, every single step yeah. that's going to happen. It's, you know, like I think letting it breathe a little bit is, is a really good, good strategy. We have a couple more before we play our game of Balderdash at the end here. You have anything else you want to ask? Well, Glenn, um, you have, I wouldn't call it a rare name. My, my name's Graham, and we both share the G, which, you know, good job us. That's right. Um, but do you have a favorite Glenn? I know we've got like, oh, we've got boy. Glenn Close, the actor. Yep. But Glenn Miller, the composer. Glenn Miller, he's a good one. Glenn um, Rice, the basketball player. Wow, you were really doing well here. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I was like. The astronaut. Uh, John, John Glenn. Glenn. John Glenn. Yeah, I think um a Scottish Glen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know that was the one part of having the name Glen that always bothered me cuz growing up different times I'd be in like a you know like a young men's group and they'd be going around talking about your name means warrior of great promise and then they'd get to me and they would say your name means peaceful valley and i was like well yeah i know that it's that's literally what it is like you don't need to remind me that it's a geographic feature but but um, it's a great geographic it, feature. it's it is you're right it's a good place to be you could and I be remember, like swamp that's right marsh my name marsh. is marsh uh cliffside <laughs> favorite glenn um yeah, John Glenn. Let's go with John Glenn. Um, I grew up in Florida near the near the Space Coast, yeah. and I, I kind of wanted to be an astronaut for a while as a kid, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, my last question then, before we get into Balderdash, is... Is it about Glenn again? It's not. I mean, it's about this Glenn. Okay. It's about this guy. What about um, the Peaceful Valley? Yeah, it's about the Peaceful Valley that we have in front of us here. So, right. um, what, what advice do you have, you know, for, for the kids who are listening who want to be writers? You know, we've got... There's a lot of kids of different ages who 
are putting in the time already and they have stories they want to tell, but you know, it can be a little intimidating to, to the idea of writing a whole novel or, you know, just yeah. that amount of work. And sometimes you feel like maybe how are you going to finish it? Or you don't feel that good at it. Or and I'm just rambling right now to give you a chance to think, but yeah, thank you um, for that. And draw. Yeah, and, and draw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And draw. <laughs> um, so yeah, advice for advice for young writers and, you know, especially kids who are like eight through 12 say, yeah. My favorite people. Um, the word joy comes to mind. I, um, I think I would say, write what you love. Okay. And don't be ashamed of what you love. I think for a long time, I kind of ran from the kinds of things that I loved as a kid. I mentioned some of those influences, you know, already. And I think I felt like they weren't important enough or they didn't, you know, they weren't as fancy or, you know, classic enough or whatever, especially, mm -hmm. you know, I went to college and learned about how to write real literature and all that stuff. <laughs> and um, I think for a while I, I sort of like knew that I loved this stuff and Tumbleweed is right in that vein of the kind of thing that I would have loved to have read when I was, when I was that age. And I think mm. just, you know, if you write what you love, if you love writing stories about animals, then embrace it, love it, read a bunch of stuff. That's, you know, that's, that's good. That that's good in that area. And, and, um, and, and don't be ashamed of it and, and then enjoy the process of making it, you know? Um, I think it's, uh, it's such a fun thing to be able to create this little world and just get to spend time having characters talk to each other and see what they say and how they react. And, um, and there's so many things about it that are so much fun uh, that I think just making sure that you're enjoying it um, regardless of what it's going to amount to, what it's going to come to, you know, what are you going to do with it? Is it going to be anything? Um, you know, I think especially a young writer is such a great opportunity for just like, we, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to make stuff and it's going to be awesome, you know, and that's going to yeah. be so cool. I have, I have a, a 12 year old and a 10 year old at home and, you know, they're just constantly just writing little scraps of things, you know, like, and, you know, my, my 12 year old has been saying for a year or two now that he's, you know, he's working on a, on a novel and he's maybe like 12 pages in, you know, and like, that's awesome. Like who cares if he's only 12 pages yeah. in? Like, what's the, he's, yeah. those 12 pages have been a blast to make and, and he's loved every minute of it and, and he's grown and he's learned and that's all good. You know, one more, one more yeah, question for one you. Last right. question. Uh, so what is next for you, Glenn? Do you have any, do you have any projects you're working on that you can tell us about? Do you have top secret things? What's going on right now? Yes. He's going to go eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right now I have this amazing palm tree that I'm working on. Um, it's not anything. It's having a very bad day. Having a, it's having a bad day because it was a misfortune to be drawn by me. <laughs> I think well, that's, that's the I, reason it had a bad day. I like that. You, I see how you flip that around on us. <laughs> Um, free out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we will right. accept that. No one else can take that. I've, I've yeah, but I was going to say in the future, that doesn't count. Doesn't count anymore. It's right. Um, I will definitely say, because I did a little video, a video writing series um, back in the fall, and I talked about it a little bit that, um, so in the world of Eugene and Tumbleweed, uh, Eugene especially is in love with these novel series called Dead Eye Dan. Um, he reads them all the time and they kind of capture his imagination. Um, so I did a Dead Eye Dan short story for my book, Junction Tales, but I decided that I thought Dead Eye Dan should get his own novel. 
Um, so I'm working on a Dead Idea novel, and I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that it will be it will be coming coming your way at some point in the near future. How's that for vague? But um, mm, nice. but it's been a blast to make, and it's been exploring like a different corner of this frontier world um, that Eugene and Tumbleweed are in, and it's kind of meta, which is really cool because it's like these fictional characters read this other fictional book, but it's, it's a good classic Western, you know, it's got nice. the, the good guy chasing the bad guys and there's mayhem. And yeah, I can't, I can't wait to, to see where this one goes. Yeah. But it's, it's coming along nicely. So nice. That sounds super exciting. And there will probably be more tumbleweed in Eugene at some point in the future as well. Awesome. I can say Fantastic. for sure. Awesome. Yes. Well, I can tell you that the kids that come into our store, Love those books and and those covers uh, are, you know, they're helpful. I mean, they're great covers. So congrats to to the whole team for everything you guys did. All right, hey, let's play a little game of Balderdash. We've got a word of the week and we've got a little machine here that spits out the word of the week. It's called a printer. Uh, So far, we have had a couple of issues with the first two episodes. Well... And they're all Graham's fault because he keeps forgetting something. So first time he forgot the fuel. And the second, what did you forget last week? It doesn't matter. It's okay. not important. Well, we're just going to hope that this week, Everything the printer works. Uh-huh. Okay, right. I put the sure. fuel in it. Okay. I put the other thing in, paper. A little hamster paper. Oh, paper, wheel. you put the paper in. Okay, yep. so we did, for, we so remembered we'll fuel just, and paper. We'll... Okay, press the button right now. We're going to try to spit this paper out. Okay, I pushed, okay, hold on. Yeah, there. See, it's printing. Okay, all right. It's coming out. Good. Go. Good. Okay. There's, no, there's nothing on this. There's nothing it on this piece of paper. There's nothing. It's, look, it's blank. It's as blank as his paper with the drawing on it. Well, I'll open it up. Everything is fine inside. Okay, let's see here. Hold on, hold on. You put white ink in on a white piece of paper. How am I supposed to read white ink on white paper? All right, we'll figure this out. Hold on. Okay, we're back. We figured it out. We put black ink in the printer. Next time, remember the black ink, please, Graham. I didn't even know they made white. So Well, okay. now you learn something every day. Okay, so here's our word of the week printed in black ink on a white piece of paper. The word of the week is Erinaceous. E-R-I-N-A-C-E-O-U-S. Erinaceous. Can you spell that again? E-R-I-N-A-C-E-O-U-S. That's a lot of vowels. This Think word. how much money you could make on. Oh, that's a joke. Only the parents will get. All right, and we are back to share the definition of Arenaceous, our word of the week. Again, it's E R I N A C E O U S. In case you didn't get didn't get it after the first two spellings. Well, I. I, I spelled it here on my notepad on my phone and it instantly auto-corrected it. Else, so <laughs> yeah. I still don't so know. Still don't know what it is. <laughs> so did you define Arenaceous or did you define the word that it auto-corrected to? Arenaceous. Okay. Arenaceous is an exclamation of excitement when somebody lands a particularly large trick on a snowboard. Oh, okay. All right. That I, was you're, Arenaceous. Mm. That's good. How confident are you on a, from a scale of one to a thousand? Zero. That's good. Zero. Zero. That's really bad on a scale <laughs> I, of one I was, to a thousand. I was confident last it's not week. not even on the scale. I got the wind knocked out of my sails last week. So Okay. So my, I, I think Arenaceous, I think you're wrong. So I, I agree do, that, I that you're at a zero. Yep. Because I think that Arenaceous is that feeling of confidence you get after you've taken a long and delicious nap in a Scottish Glen. 
Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like a three out of ten yeah. out of out of a thousand. That makes sense. Like you've aired yourself out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. I appreciate you using the word Glenn. Just by the way, yeah. that was great. All right. Speaking of Glenn, yes. Glenn, what Glenn. do you think Arenaceous is? Um, a rare condition in rhinoceroses in which the baby is born with two tusks as opposed to the traditional one. The people that come on the show are writers, aren't they? We made a serious mistake <laughs> giving them a chance to come up with anything they want. They literally do that for a living. <laughs> Making well, stuff up. As part of their living anyway. Okay, so here's the real definition of No, Aaron wait, Aaron I think I remembered. Isn't he that philosopher? Aaronaceous. Aaron <laughs> that's it. We're done. We're done here. That's it. Yeah, that's all. That's good. Aaronaceous. You guys are going to enjoy this. Aaronaceous is the word to describe something or someone who resembles a hedgehog. <laughs> wow. There's a word for that. There is. Someone, of the word that describes someone or something who resembles a hedgehog. Someone who resembles a hedgehog? I, that's what it says. Okay. All right. I mean, well, I assume okay. that something that resembles a hedgehog yeah. is just a hedgehog. Right. Or, well, Glenn, yeah. Glenn got the animal. I think he wins. Yeah, you, I think you, you were the closest, certainly. Okay, and well, the winner has to use the word in their next story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Yep. Yeah. That, that was part be, of the thing should you should be very easy. should be or, very easy. Or next time that you have a character who you want to describe as hedgehog-like, yes. you could just name them Aaron. That's right. Oh. And then, every, yeah. And, and then it'll be an inside joke from, for that's right. the dozens of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who know All it. of the world of, yes. What? There'll be a challenge for him. He's got a challenge before he leaves. He's got to do something. This is easier. This is an easier okay. challenge. Okay. Good. So I was uh, worried when you said challenge. Okay, Glenn. It's not really a challenge. You get to make well, a challenge. Well, do we make him show us his, his thing first? Well, we'd like to see your drawing, what, such as it is right now. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, at least, at least us. I'm, 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 this is a vulnerable moment right now. I'm very ashamed. Okay. So <laughs> that's delightful is what that is. Okay. That is delightful. Okay. That's, I'm glad that's the word Can you, you chose Can you describe it though for the listeners? And um, it, it is, ideally we would love it if you would send us a picture yes, as well. Yes, yes, uh, I, Oh, okay. All right. Ideally. I said ideally. It's, it's a palm tree. Um, Can you hold it up with for us again? a creature dangling from one of its branches the creature is supposed to be a monkey but it does not bear much resemblance to <laughs> any monkey that you would see in nature um <laughs> that's all I'm, that's all i'm gonna say about that yeah no it's delightful great work <laughs> it's, especially considering the fact that you had to answer and think answer questions and think about those answers which yeah. museum do you think that would take that? I, I could see all sorts of them, but yeah, that's you know, true. Smithsonian, the Louvre, the uh, what, what city are you from? Avon, uh, Avon, yes. The, I think the, if Avon, we had, the Avon local art museum, yes, the Avon art museum, the gallery, I think would take yeah. it in a heartbeat. Get it up in the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably might want to like have him transpose it to a to like a in a bigger like so it's a really big version of that a yeah. mural on on, a on, mural. on the side of the yes. brick buildings. Do you think happen. we should use that as a? Lo I mean, are we piling on to that's the logo of the show? <laughs> well, you know, it's yours. I gift it to you. It's oh wow, not my property anymore. <laughs> yeah. It belongs to everyone. Oh, okay, that's perfect. Well, we do have well, one thing we ask you to do before we go. Uh, so okay, so Glenn. We need you to challenge somebody else to come on this show to go through the ordeal 
yeah, that is to, talking to the two of us. Yeah, to endure what you've just if had you to have endure. a writer, such as an enemy, an illustrator, um, a candy uh, maker, yeah, blacksmith, sundry, someone seller, who's arenaceous, perhaps a peddler. Someone's, I feel like now that you said that, though, if I mention someone, you're gonna, they're gonna immediately think, am I? Is the reason that they said my name because I well, remind hedge, him I of mean, a hedgehog. hedgehogs are adorable, right? They are. They and are they've got peculiar looking. Tougher you know, than they look. They I won't ask you noses. to just tell us the most peculiar writer that you can think of, but yeah, right, now exactly. that I've said it, it's hanging out there. Um, Maybe the least arenaceous. Yeah, the least arenaceous person you can think of. Yes, who resembles a hedgehog in no way. Um, <laughs> I challenge my friend James Whitmer. He's an awesome guy and he's an awesome writer. Um, he's the author of The Big Old Garden, A Year in the Big Old Garden. Um, he just had a new book come out. Um, yeah. The Strange New Dog. Um, he's also he's, uh, written on the same site, right? Yes, he's actually yeah. the managing editor of Story That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of mine and he's a fantastic writer and a very, very entertaining guy. And most of all, as you've just mentioned, I think he's a very long suffering individual. So I think, you know, no, we want people with short fuses. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for, for enduring. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. And I know that the kids who are listening and reading your books appreciate getting to know you a little bit too. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was a blast. Well, Graham, here we are at the end of the show. Of course, that means that we are officially at our wits end. Well, speak for yourself. I'm kind of enjoying this. We are at riddle time. We are at riddle that, time. That, yeah, riddle time. We're at that part of the show where we um, we give the answer to last week's riddle and we give you a new one. So last week's riddle, can you recap it for us? Uh, a man, uh, no, a cowboy. That's right. A cowboy comes into town on Friday, stays two days in a dusty hotel. And then leaves on Friday. So the answer to this riddle, Mm -hmm. the man does not come into town on Friday as in the day of the week Friday. The cowboy is riding a horse. The horse's name is Friday. That is both great and annoying at the same time. And I think, the, I think the the key to it is uh, not to say a man came into town on a Friday. It's mm, on Friday. Right. So we had a bunch of people get this one right. A bunch. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to contact you know, the winner and we're going to let them know what yeah. they won. But we also had an alternative answer. Oh, yeah. Let me bring that listener. up here. And I feel like we probably should share this because it's pretty funny. Also, maybe more accurate. <laughs> I got an email from Isla, who's uh, eight years old, and she said that an alternative, a different answer to this riddle is that the hotel was giving everybody French fries for dinner on Wednesday to celebrate International Fry Day. <laughs> it's very clever. And then the cowboy left two days later on a Friday. Mm. And she says, my brother Malachi helped come up with this answer too. This Shout podcast, out to Malachi and Isla. She says, this podcast is full of nonsense, so this silly answer is funny too. <laughs> no, it does kind of make sense. And then she drew a picture of a calendar to also kind of visually mm. show us what she's what she means. And I love that answer. And we love letting you guys send in drawings, by the way. Yeah. And I would, we would, Isla, we would just pick you to win this one, but we don't do that. We, we have a, a random generator. So That's right. To be fair. We got to keep with, we got to keep with the, the random generator. And Although she might get picked. That's true. Randomly. Although she definitely didn't choose the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good answer, but it's not necessarily the right answer. Now, this brings us to this week's riddle. 
Graham, are you ready for this week's riddle? Can't wait. Okay. So imagine this. There is a bus driver. He is heading down a busy street in the city. He went past three stop signs without stopping. He goes the wrong way down a one-way street. This sounds so dangerous. And he answers a message on his phone at the same time. So, this bus driver still didn't break any traffic laws. How is this possible? Wow. That's a good one. So here it is again. Bus driver. He's heading down a busy street in the city. He goes past three stop signs without stopping. He goes the wrong way on a one-way street, and he answers a message on his phone, and yet he doesn't break any traffic laws. How is this possible? I'm stumped. That is this week's riddle. I'm sure listeners will get it. Yeah. They're very smart. They're very, very smart. Well, that brings us to not just the end of this riddle, but also to the end of episode four of Withy Windle. Graham, would you like to say anything to our listeners before we uh, before we depart for this week? Well, if you've made it this far... Wait, I said this last time. No. Are you going to say something about leaving us a nice review? Uh, well, they can do that. We, uh, we really want to see your drawings of what you think this machine we do. that gives us the word looks like. We've so, called it a printer. It might be a printer. It's a word disseminator. It seems to have a place for fuel. Most, most printers don't it have that. It also seems to be very confusing. If uh, your experience with it, it has, has any a, track record. a slot to put a burrito in. I mean, I got confused with it, so it must not and just it may be or may not be covered in sand. It, <laughs> it must not be an ordinary, you know, printing machine. It's got, you know, so love to see that. And we love to hear from you guys. We hope you're enjoying the show. Yeah. If you want to send us your pictures or your feedback or anything like that, you can email us at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. Podcast at goldberrybooks.com. Great memory, Graham. So glad you're here. With that, let's, uh, let's call it a week, I guess. This is fun. We could go on forever, but at a certain point, the kids have to get up and do their chores, and so do we. So for Graham Pittman, I'm David Kern, and until next week, happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.